Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. Hope you're well. This month, I've launched a new workshop about idea generating. And for those of you that know me, you'll know that I'm quite a ponderer. And I think arguably too much at times. But what I found is that sometimes if I actually slow myself down and think about things before taking action, I can sometimes save myself a lot of time in the long run. And the silver lining, for me anyway, is that now that I've launched this podcast, I have the freedom to ramble and get as deep as I like. So for the next few minutes, I'm going to attempt to answer this question. How can I go about having more original ideas and getting them out in the world? So without further ado, let's get into it. So to answer this question fully, I feel that the first thing you need to do is to break it down into separate parts. So let's start with the word original. What is original? Most of us will have experienced seeing a concept we like and saying, I like that idea. It's unique or original. There's nothing wrong with this, but upon deeper inspection, I find this to be questionable for these reasons. When we're born, we have little to no understanding of the world, bar our primitive instincts, such as to cry and to suck nipples. By the time we're adults, we know lots of things, and everything we've acquired is in one way or another a result of our senses being stimulated, be that through our environment, what we see, what other people tell us, etc. As we learn more, we're more capable of identifying connections and applying them in interesting ways. You might say, in original ways. But it's important to point out that this originality is always inside the context of an individual's personal perspective and understanding. Even seemingly incredible Eureka ideas, like the discovery of gravity, for example, were discovered because Sir Isaac Newton understood something about the universe when the apple supposedly landed on his head. This is what ultimately enabled him to combine two pre-existing concepts and come up with something new. Our ability to attribute levels of originality to ideas tends to be based on the unlikelihood that a combination could come together and form tangible value. For the most part, people still value uniqueness that encompasses utility as opposed to uniqueness for the sake of it. A sandwich filled with toenail clippings and snakeskin is an original idea, but it serves no real reason for being. It's a superfluous form of sensationalist expression. This kind of uniqueness is easy to create, but the real question is how do we increase our chances of creating new ideas that have utility? The easiest way to explain this is to look at how best not to achieve it and to therefore seek the opposite. The first question to ask ourselves is what are ideas and what do they make up? I think most would agree that when describing an amalgamation of ideas, what we're describing is culture, with the most prevalent ideas being referred to as popular culture. When you Google the definition of popular culture, it offers up a stark explanation. 
culture based on the tastes of ordinary people rather than an educated elite. Now, if we take this to be true, then the word we must focus in on is ordinary, which is contrary to the desired outcome we seek to achieve when trying to create original ideas. People who see original ideas may refer to them as extraordinary or novel, but never ordinary. Popular culture then refers to things that average people consider to be worthy of their attention. These cultural contributions are just one of several reference points that the greatest number of people possess and therefore are not the best points of reference to have if you're seeking to be original. To explain what I mean by this, let me put it into a visual context. Let's imagine that your brain is a container and every time you consume something, you get a little ball in your brain containing that reference. If you consume things that many other people consume, then your brain contains a reference ball that many other brains worldwide also contain. Whereas if you consume things that fewer people consume, you're filling your brain with inputs that fewer people also have. Now let's imagine that each of us simultaneously decided to use these balls in our brains in a draw much like the lottery, with the goal of creating a unique idea. The winner would be the individual who is able to combine the most number of unique inputs. In this scenario, the people who have the highest chance of winning are those individuals who don't consume popular culture. The irony of this situation is that those who are able to combine unique insights and create something of utility to the world then normally get mass market attention and their seemingly unique idea quickly becomes a staple concept. In short, I believe that the best way to have original ideas is to seek out information that either other people do not know about or that they don't have access to based on their circumstances. Despite the definition of popular culture referring to those outside the realm of influence as the elite, this is a conscious decision that can be embraced by anyone who is willing to buy into this long-term perspective. Another interesting point to make is that you also need to consider the environment from which you operate in. The explanation that I have just disclosed is a good basic structure for overall idea acquisition, but if you wish to stand out among your peers, you must also apply the same thinking on a macro level. If you're part of an industry that already values the deeper qualities of culture, then you must look to other sources for ways to fill your mind, be that seeking insights from different fields or a different country culture altogether. The next logical question to ask then is if this is the case, then what information should you be paying attention to? The most used argument for being an advocate of popular culture is that it's good and that without it, everything else is rubbish. But is that really true? After working in advertising for many years of my life, it's still the case that positive word of mouth is still the best way to sell. So to ignore sources of input that are feasibly enjoyable entertaining that many other people are talking about is still arguably the hardest input to resist but possible to do if you become conscious of your consumerism. This behaviour of following others' recommendations purely on the basis that other people are telling you it's good is a cognitive bias known as the bandwagon effect, which is defined as the tendency to do or believe things that many other people do or believe the same. The alternative of which is to make a conscious, informed and strategic choices over what you choose to consume. And while this doesn't sound like fun when I put it like this, I would encourage you to give it a try. There's no hard and fast rule to suggest that you must go cold turkey, and a conscious effort to discover slightly more elusive inputs is still a great way to increase your likelihood of having better ideas. For those who want to embrace this thinking more seriously, however, my best tip is to embrace curiosity. Most popular culture is the sensory equivalent of a fruit machine. It's an amalgamation of flashing lights, loud noises, big buttons and easy to understand ideas. 
Seeking unique inputs requires a level of intrigue that allows you to not be deterred by the seeming lack of interest on first appearances. I assume that even the most notoriously dull fields like stamp collecting, bird watching or train spotting are somewhat fascinating if you dig below the superficial beliefs surrounding them. There are countless other sources of inputs, many of which you will undoubtedly enjoy, if only you give them a chance. To name some of my own most recent interests such as cyberpunk, philosophy, Bikram yoga, manga, artificial intelligence, physics and many others, these are all subjects that I would never have considered learning about just five years ago. But all came about because I suspended judgement until I gave them a go, and I enjoy the fact that I now know things that the general populace doesn't know about or get excited about. And when I happen to meet an individual who shares a common interest, our connections are much stronger and our conversations are generally more interesting when compared to those who I speak to about generic subjects like football, for example. Supposing you're strong enough to overcome these cultural hurdles, then the next problem you're likely to face is the abundance of other things you could be interested in. While popular culture seems diverse, it's really quite narrow, and embracing subcultures can take you down any number of rabbit holes. My advice here is to look for subjects that have some connection to your specialist field of knowledge, because it will increase the likelihood that what you learn will become useful in everyday life, and hence become more likely to be remembered and useful long term. It's my assumption that if randomly given the test we were given at school, I suspect that most people, myself included, would do worse today than when we took them at school. This is because what we learned is not always used and it's therefore easily forgotten. In the book Where Good Ideas Come From by Stephen Johnson, he refers to the adjacent possible, which is his way of describing how innovations tend to branch out in incremental tangents from the furthest innovations to date. Similarly, I believe the best information to consume is that which has the adjacent likelihood of surfacing i.e. close enough to your current expertise that it's likely to be useful, but far enough away that it's likely to create new combinations. As a designer, I may study cinematography, for example, because it's different enough that I'm likely to find out something new, but close enough to the field of creativity that my newfound knowledge is likely to be applicable in everyday life. I should take a moment to point out that I do believe that connections formed between completely disparate subjects do arguably result in the most unique insights, such as an apple falling off a tree and astrology in the case of Sir Isaac Newton. But they also occur far more rarely, and hence I feel it makes more sense to focus on creating a diverse but connected knowledge base for the purposes of improving one's chances of generating unique ideas, rather than a trove of general knowledge that has few opportunities to surface in practical application. To sum up, by becoming incredibly well-versed in an area of study that greatly interests you, you increasingly separate yourself from the general populace and continue to build momentum as a key person of influence, which doesn't make you more creative in itself, but it does help you when it comes to make your ideas a reality, because by separating yourself from the crowd, you're more likely to stand out and attract attention, bringing you better opportunities and ultimately unlocking the positive effects of the bandwagon effect as people seek your expertise based on your prior successes. To expand on this point, it is said that quality always rises to the top, But this is not always the case. The best designed magazines are only read by a few thousand people when compared to mass market mags. Some of the funniest comedians perform to rooms of 30 when compared to sell-out tours of more family-friendly comedians. And the most thought-provoking and well-executed films are often only seen at festivals because they lack the funding and mass market appeal of blockbuster movies. For many people, especially creatives, there comes a time when you have to ask yourself whether you value your creative integrity 
over that of mass market success. For a tiny minority of people, they are able to maintain subculture status while achieving mainstream success. But these people are the exceptions, not the rule. So what separates these individuals? Let's take authors, for example. Some globally renowned authors like Malcolm Gladwell or Seth Godin are masters of taking esoteric ideas and converting them into easily digestible chunks that the mass market will embrace and understand. Titles such as Outliers and Purple Cow use intentionally simplified and dumbed-down language, which affords them the opportunity to have mass market success. Another way of approaching this is to consciously leverage the momentum of popular culture, simply for the means of bringing more attention to your work. When this is done well, I refer to this as pronto projects, in which smart people hypothetically ride the wave of popular culture. A recent example would be how Sagmeister and Walsh, a renowned design studio from New York, recently released a website containing products like pin badges and t-shirts, mocking the US presidential candidate Donald Trump. They could have released a similar website at any time, but by leveraging the wave of popular culture, they are able to cash in on mass market attention while still maintaining creative integrity. For some creatives, however, even using the mass market for all it's worth seems like too much of a sellout move. And it's these people who must be prepared to build small but loyal audiences if they wish to have any chance of financially sustaining themselves and having their ideas seen. You can be the master of ideas, but if you lack the funds to execute and have no means of distributing your ideas, then you'll undoubtedly be lost in the crowd. And with populations growing year on year, this will only become more important as time goes on. Whatever path you ultimately decide to take, it still doesn't detract from the fact that having unique inputs aids you in having original output. The final thing I want to touch on before I wrap up is language. Because when we talk about world-changing ideas, most people think of things like electricity or the internet. But for all intensive purposes, language is what has made the world around us possible. Words have the amazing power of encapsulating complex meaning into simple forms. Ideas come into being because we're able to pass on information that then inspires the mind to create new and exciting ideas. However, despite the magic of words, most of us only ever use a tiny fraction of our respective languages. I'm sure many will have experienced times when they speak a different language and struggle to find the words that they readily possess in their native language, which is a perfect demonstration of how our lack of ability to articulate can reduce our capacity to convey even the simplest of ideas. While I believe it's definitely a hard undertaking to master other languages, I feel it's not a big ask to consciously expand upon our native language. By consciously expanding our vocabulary past the point of simple conversation, we're feeding our minds with complex ideas that can be repurposed to have both more original ideas, but also to understand and intake more information, as well as to describe in greater detail what we want to achieve. Attempting to become a language connoisseur, therefore, is another noble pursuit if you wish to open yourself up to the prospect of better and more original ideas. I hope this has gone some way to open your mind to some of the deeper aspects of idea acquisition. Some things in life are a marathon, not a sprint, and while there are always ways to generate ideas fast without prior training, it's possible to somewhat make being exceptionally creative an innate trait if thinking long-term and making some positive conscious decisions. I'll end my rant today by saying that by no means do I consider myself to be all-wise on the subject of idea acquisition. I can only talk from my own experience, teaching and understanding. So I look forward to hearing from anyone who has anything to add on this thought experiment. And for anyone who is interested in the more practical aspects of idea generating, 
I hopefully look forward to seeing you in a workshop soon. You can email me personally at hello at rickyrichards.com if you'd be interested in attending one. But for now, goodbye to all and best of luck with your creative endeavours. Don't forget that ideas are good, but made ideas are better. Cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.